My name is Catalina del Carmen, and I'm on a mission to put more cash in the hands of women of color. I'm a wife, mom, amiga, prima, and I happen to run a multiple six-figure coaching business. On this show, I share sales and marketing strategies that keep your business simple, your mindset focused, your bank account big, and your impact even bigger. So if you are on a mission to create generational change and you want to make a lot of money doing it, welcome to the Latinas Booked Out Podcast. What is up, y'all? Welcome back to the Latinas Booked Out Podcast. I am so excited that you are here. I am so pumped for today's episode because we are talking copywriting, which is so important to business. And the wonderful thing is I am talking copywriting with a copy coach. So I am incredibly excited, y'all. This is going to be such a wonderful episode. Here's a little bit of what you need to know about what's going to happen today. Okay, so I am talking with Allison Carpio. She's an author, speaker, copy coach, and head chef at The Conversion Kitchen. She got fed up with all the fake scarcity, urgency, and high-pressure sleaze in copywriting world, aka all the stuff that like the bros and the boss babes put out trying to like get you to buy right now. That is what she was fed up with. But now she teaches you how to show up authentically in your copy so your customers are eager but not pressured to work with you. I absolutely love all of Allison's freebies, workshops, trainings. Honestly, her, like if you are part of her email list, which I am, you get to see her expertise every single week. And she's so good at what she does. This is why I invited her to the show. I wanted to have some conversations about copy and her insight on it and what she thinks of it and how to write copy that is compelling, but not super sleazy. So if you want to learn about copy, stay tuned and let's get started. Allison, thank you so much for being on the show. And even more, thank you so much for being so gracious and kind, even though I have been a hot mess um, on the other (laughs) side of this. And you are just so kind. So anyways, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. And no one can tell. They just went straight to the episode. No one had any idea. (laughs) Um. Okay, so I actually want to just get started with learning a little bit about you and who you are, what you're about, a little bit about how you grew up and how you got into copywriting, how you became good at it, and um, how you kind of started your business. So I know that's like a lot at once. So if you could start by telling us a little bit about where you grew up. How was your life? How was your childhood? And like all the way through maybe like end of high school, college. Oh, I'm excited. I didn't know this is going to be part of it, but I'm excited to dig yeah, into I that. I want to know so. a little. <laughs> Let's get into it. Okay. So I grew up in Sacramento, California. So Northern California. I live in San Francisco now. So Northern California girl through and through. 
I so I grew up in Sacramento, and my parents immigrated here from the Philippines, and they met in San Jose actually, and they were like, okay, we could either stay in a three-bedroom house with three of our friends, or we can get our own house in Sacramento. So they moved to Sacramento, got their own house. Um, I'm the youngest daughter. I have two older sisters. And our neighborhood that we grew up in had some not so great schools. Like it had the highest dropout rate and teen pregnancy rate. So my parents were like, we're going to send you to Catholic school. That's 20 or 30 minutes away. So I went to Catholic school growing up from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. And the K through eight school I went to was really small. There was like 40 people in each class. And Kat, like it was, it was wild because I was probably the only woman of color in there. And these weren't just like white people I was around. They were like really, really rich white people. Like they got a Mercedes when they were turned 16 kind of thing. So I grew up thinking we were super poor, you know, but like, we're fine. Like we're working class, you know, like given that my parents came to the Philippines, like they were doing pretty good. But I really thought that we were like struggling until, you know, I went to the Philippines for the first time in the sixth grade. And I was like, oh, you know, I think we're doing okay. Like these people are just, you know, insanely rich. (laughs) Yeah, that's crazy. It's kind of wild, right? Like just how how all of that's really relative. So that was my kindergarten through eighth grade. In high school, I went to, like, for my first year and a half, so freshman and half of sophomore year, I went to the all-girls school that was in Lady Bird, if you've seen that high school, that movie before. Um, I have, I, like, saw a piece of it, but, oh, my God, that that's where they filmed it. Yep, that was, that was the high school I went to, and maybe you saw the scene where someone was just chewing someone else out, and that is a very accurate depiction of what all-girls school is. So I ended up transferring out. And also, I mean, I have two older sisters at home. So I'm like, I don't I don't need to be in this environment. And then I went to a co-ed private school. And I eventually, you know, I um, I I saw so many people going to college and getting into crazy student debt. And one day I remember my oldest sister telling me like, you know, it doesn't like, yes, going to a nice college will help you, but you you can still, you know, you could still go to like a public college and be fine. Like you don't have to go to a brand name school. So I stayed in Sacramento and I um, I went to, to Sac State and I stayed local and I didn't dig myself in a big hole of student debt and I'm so thankful for it. That's honestly the best, the best scenario ever. And I'm so glad that you, you went that direction. It's so funny. I went, I went to San Jose State and hey. I, and I, of course I went there like right off of high school and I was not a good student. So I got an academic probation, like literally my first semester. I was like, college is so fun. And then I got like all F's and D's and I was like, oh shit. Um, but I didn't like, my mom didn't want to have debt. So I didn't have debt for the longest time. And I even paid it out of pocket for a while because wow. I, was, I was in college for a long time. Um, but then my last two years, I decided to get loans and like it screwed me. <laughs> Literally yeah. the last three years. I was in college for 10 years and I paid for myself for literally eight years. Dang and then girl. the last two. But that's okay. I needed those last two. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that those are like the only options, right? I mean, how else are we supposed to afford this stuff when yeah, we don't exactly. have 
you know, our parents just like fronting the bill for us. Yeah, exactly. Like we, you know, didn't have it like that. So how did you get into what you do now? Like what? Oh, that's, that's a funny part. So, (laughs) so um, my mom's a nurse. It's like a very typical immigrant Filipino career. And for the longest time I thought I was going to be a nurse. (laughs) And I remember going to hospital one day because my mom worked in a hospital and I was like, there is no way I'm going here every day. This place is depressing. So when I turned 18, I I planned my cotillion. It's kind of like a quinceanera, you know, but for when you're 18, it's like this I mean, I know what a cotillion is, but. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad you explained it for everyone else. Yeah, so I planned that and I was like, this is fun. Maybe I'll be an event planner or a wedding planner. And then I planned some weddings, didn't like weddings, but I knew I wanted to do something more creative. So eventually I came across marketing and switched my major to marketing in college. And um, I, after college, I had worked at a couple of tech startups in marketing. And the worst part about that is tech companies really don't care about marketers. They, they're they like second-class citizens. Like if you're not a product person or if you're not a data scientist or an engineer, you're pretty much looked yeah, down on. literally. That or sales. Like sales yeah. on the list. Maybe you know, there's literally a quote by, I don't know if it was one of Google CEOs or something like that, but it's like, marketing and sales is what you do when you have a crap product. And I was like, that's absolutely not true. (laughs) You can't just build it and they will come. It's just not how that works. (laughs) So um, I I wanted to leave tech really badly. And in 2016, in the fall, oh, actually around this time, I, it was my dream to, to go abroad because I had never really traveled outside of going to the Philippines. So I was like, okay, I'm going to Spain for three months because that's how long you could stay there. And I went to my employer at the time and I was like, I'm going to Spain for three months. Do you want to keep me? Like, what's the deal? So they let me work abroad, which was really awesome. And it was my first taste into working remotely and working outside of an office. So when I came back, I was like, I don't want to work in an office. And then eventually it was like, I don't want to work for a company. So I really worked hard on building up my side business while I was at my job to eventually one day where I could quit, which is another funny story that I'll tell really quickly. So in 20... (laughs) Okay. Really, really quickly. I just, I have so many clients who either are doing, like they're growing their coaching business and they also have nine to five. So listen up if you're listening. (laughs) Yeah. Go ahead. Tell tell us about that. (laughs) Well, I worked pretty, I worked for almost um, a year while building my side business while I was uh, working nine to five. So it took me a while. I will say that. And I'm the kind of person where I can't just quit and figure it out. Like I need to replace that money. So eventually in January, 2017, I got to a place where I was like, okay, I can't do these both at the same time. So I'm going to put in my, I don't know, four weeks notice. January 3rd rolls around or whatever the first day of the year was. And the CEO calls me and three other people in his office. And he's like, hey, we're going through a round of layoffs. 
I have to let you go, but we're going to pay you through the rest of the month, but you don't have to do anything anymore. Like today is your last day or like you don't have to work for us anymore. So I was thrilled. I was like, oh my God, this is the best possible outcome. I don't have to put in my notice. I'm getting like a severance package and I'm just done. And since then I was, I was done. Um, so it, it just worked out really nicely. But I, what I will say was like, there was just so much leading up to that. So much like wanting to quit right away and so much working so hard and just making time for um, my side business. And the one thing I will say is if you're still working at a nine to five and building your side business at the same time, is you really want to make sure that you are at a place where you're happy or even just content with your job. Because if you're at a job where it's really draining you and it's taking too much of your energy, it's going to be really hard to allocate some of your energy to your side business. So I just made sure that um, I, you know, either had some balance in my workday or I was working on projects I was at least interested in because that, that helped fuel me to want to work on my business more. For sure. I talk about that so much with my clients. I'm like, it's really not the business hating your job with everything you got while you build your coaching business, like, mm -hmm. or a business at all. Um, it's, it's just going to be really hard to pivot from one energy to another. Um, and it's just like easy to start resenting your job. Like I remember I, yeah, like right before I left, I was like a lot more content and I was like, I could totally make this work. It's all good. Like da, 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 da. Um, but I had to get through the moments where I was like, this, it's the job's fault. Why I can't do this and la, la, la. Um, yeah, it's just not the energy. It really, really yeah. isn't. It's, it's like funner. It's like more fun if you could just learn to accept your job. Like, And I'm, I'm saying like if your job is acceptable, right? Like if you have like a very toxic work environment, like that's different. But if, you know. Like if, if, if you just like hate the work you do or whatever, like I would challenge you and listener to like think differently about it, um, while you build your business, uh, because it just makes life a lot more, um, fun and fruitful if you learn to accept that job, like while you're growing your business. So thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you'll, you'll be able to show up to your business in a different way if you're not, filled with that resentment or even a little bit of like desperation to leave her job. So I totally get that. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about copywriting. Uh, can you just tell us like your definition of like, what is copywriting? Like when you talk about copy all over Instagram, like what is copy? Oh, yes. I love this question. So Copy, copywriting are, is basically words that you write that inspire some type of action, whether that is buying something, booking a call with someone, signing up for a webinar. It's, it's really that, that inspired action. And it's not just there to say like, to start a conversation necessarily, but the, the real goal of it is to, is to inspire that action. There is a piece to it where there's education and providing value, but mainly what separates copywriting from content is really there's that, that call to action um, somewhere in there, likely at the end of the, the piece. 
I love that description. I was, I've been trying to think of like my own, I'm like, what is copywriting? And I love that you, yeah, like it's something that inspires some type of action, right? And it is, there is more strategy. What are your, like what for people who are just like either starting their business or if they have a business and it's running and it's growing, but they know nothing about copywriting, they are creating content, right? They're writing, maybe sharing their story. Maybe they're sharing lessons and aha moments. Like what would advice would you give that person who wants to make their, um, and we'll just start with like top three, like, I don't want to say mistakes, but like the top three things or mindsets that you want to get into when you're shifting from like writing and like storytelling and telling your story and sharing advice and sharing value, where, how, how is, do you transition from that to like actually seeing your copy, like your copy as copy, right? Like seeing it as copy and less of just a caption. Does that make sense? Yeah. So what I'm, what I'm hearing is like, how, how do you shift from writing copy content to copy? And the answer to that, I mean, first of all, if you, if you don't consider yourself a copywriter, if you're brand new to copy, that is perfectly okay. In fact, some of the best copy that I see is not written by professional copywriters. We copywriters have such a hard time writing for ourselves sometimes. So you just really don't have to be good at writing copy. So that's the first thing. The the next thing I'll say is writing content and writing copy, the only difference there is that you're having a call to action there. So say like you're sharing tips or you're sharing a story, that will be part of your copy. It's just in the beginning. And then you want to transition into that that call to action. And the way I like to think about it is um, when you have a call to action, when you have a pitch at the end of your copy, it's really just like you're at a restaurant and the entrees have been cleared and the server comes and they place the dessert menu on the table. So you don't have to ask for the dessert menu. If you already have room for dessert, then you're going to peruse the dessert menu and say, I would like the the um, the flan. Or you know, if you don't have room for dessert, you're just going to say, no, thank you. I would just like to check, please. Or maybe you weren't even thinking about dessert, but now the dessert menu is in front of you and you're like, yeah, I, I want that flan, you know? So it's really just being proactive about it. And I talk about this in this way because I think a lot of people, especially if they're if they're more used to writing content and not copy, they're not really used to pitching or selling in their copy. And it it just feels really weird to them because they don't want to feel quote unquote annoying or spammy, but really you're doing it as a service to people. So for the people who are ready to work with you and they're ready to take that next step, it's easy for them because you've already given them an easy way to take that next step. And then finally, the last thing I'll say is definitely start your email list. (laughs) So I'm an email copy coach and, uh, you know, email is just something that's been so powerful for my business and my clients' businesses. And I, I wrote a post recently where I hosted a challenge and I promoted the challenge on Instagram and on email. And by the way, I'm not, I'm not knocking social media. I still love it. I still show up to it. Um, you definitely need both, but I, I got 101 signups and I got, I, or I posted five IG posts and maybe like 15 
plus maybe 20 IG stories to promote the challenge. And I sent five emails. So the five IG posts and 15 plus stories got me 18 signups, whereas the five emails got me 83 signups. <laughs> so you can see the big difference there and how powerful it is because in email people, there's just so much less barriers to take action. It's like, click the link, done. But on IG, like if you're watching a story, it's like, Go, go to my profile, click the link in profile, find the link, yes. and then you're you're there. And don't get me wrong, I I wanted those 18 signups. Like I I still show up on social. Like together, they're very powerful. But what I say is like make sure you start that email list because it can be so powerful for your business. Yes, I'm so happy you brought that up. Okay, I have a couple out of everything you said. I I have like a couple questions. Um, but first I wanted to just say that dessert menu analogy (laughs) is gold. So gold. That really is what it's like. It reminds me, I'm constantly telling my clients, I'm like, you have to make offers. I mean, you have a business, you know about this. Like you have to make offers to people. Like you literally Mm -hmm. just have to, like, it doesn't have to be this like huge thing. It literally could be, I always like I tell my clients, it sounds like a very human conversation. Like it literally is like, Hey, are you interested in this? No. Cool. We're good. It's all good. Um, (laughs) So I love that you use the dessert menu example because that really is what it's like at the end of an email. It's like, and it's honestly like not even, it's like not even cool if you don't put the dessert menu down, right? Like, yeah. Like, yeah. You're like, where's it at? Dessert? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What if I wanted it? <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly what, yes, yes. This is so good. I'm going to like use that. I will credit you, but like one day I use it. Gonna, yes. Yeah. Like it's so <laughs> good. And I love it because your whole, like your whole thing is like food related. Like I feel like yeah. And I love, love, love it. So anyways, I wanted to call that out because that is so genius. And I really, if you, if you miss that, I, Allison was telling us that like, she sees the call to action, like a dessert menu. When am I saying this? Like a dessert yeah. menu. It's like yeah. It's like the people. server placing the dessert menu on the table. It's all it yes, is. They're, they're not pressuring you to buy dessert. They're exactly. just placing it there. And we're, we don't like take offense to that. Yeah. When people off put the menu, I'm like, oh, maybe. I don't know. Like, let me think about it. Right. Yeah. So I just, I just love that. Um, and then the second piece I wanted to add was about email lists because I'm such the, so what's funny is the first investment I ever made in like my personal development was an email list course. I was like, someone told me that I should start with an email list and yes. I did it. I think I, I, I think it was, um, I forget the name. It was Amy Porterfield's. And I remember getting that. I paid like $400, which for me back then was like ridiculous. I was like, yeah. I'm not going to tell anyone I spent this money. And I went through the course and one, I realized how simple the course was. And I was like, I could do this shit. And then the second (laughs) one, the second piece was it really did like get me started with email. And I think it was, I don't know. I think it, it, it was what, it was such a wonderful way to start in like in, in this digital 
market digital space because I understood just like the very high level basics of like, okay, an email list is important and here's why. That being said, what, how do you think, like, what are your best strategies in growing your email list? Because I feel like a lot of my clients, they, you know, they'll create freebies, they'll talk about it from time to time, which, you know, everyone's told to do. Um, But like, I'm curious to know, like, how have you, like, what strategies have helped you grow your list um, and continue growing it? Okay. I love this question because I literally posted a story about this. So um, I posted a a post yesterday on IG about um, that challenge and how the five IG posts versus the five emails. And that post got pretty big. Like it it was probably one of my biggest posts ever. It got 212 shares, 34 saves. And um, I reached like 2,600 people or something crazy. And granted, like I have 1,700 followers. I don't have like a big following by any means. So good. Yeah. Okay. But here's where it's crazy, Kat. So so that post promoted my freebie, right? Like at the end of it, that was my dessert menu there, placed it there. Like, hey, it was about, you know, like how email is so powerful. And if you want to get started with email, like I have this training. I got three opt-ins from that, (laughs) just three opt-ins. So what I take away from that is you don't want to focus or you don't want to rely on social media posts to build out your list because it will be a grind. If a popular post like that only brought in three opt-ins, like, I don't know, that just sounds like it's not, that's not, that's not the way to do it. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Crazy time. So what I recommend instead is doing collaborations, um, going on podcasts like I am right now, (laughs) going on other people's podcasts, giving talks. Um, I would say summits, but I mean, summits are kind of hit or miss. I don't know if you've done any, Kat, but it just really depends. But I think even just speaking in real life or giving talks on stages is really powerful because people really connect with you and they're just so much more likely to to, um, you know, want to take you up on your freebie. But also one thing that I've done recently that's been really effective is like, I've done a collaboration with one of my friends that I've met in a mastermind where we just, you know, we hosted a webinar for each other's audiences. And that was so powerful. Like I, I think I got maybe 80 opt-ins just from that. Um, and that was just from her sending maybe three emails to her list kind of thing. So that was really simple. So I think it's like having some some content partners, I like to call them, um, and just using other people's audiences. I think that's like the biggest thing, like other people's podcast audiences, other events, you know, things where you're going to reach a lot of people and you're not just relying on your own circle. That is so freaking smart. So wait, tell me a little bit more about this you held a webinar for your um, friend's audience. Did you like literally you hosted it with her or how did that work? It was pretty simple. So it was a webinar. It was both of our signature webinars. It's called a webinar swap. So basically she promotes my webinar to her audience because it's like brand new to them. And I promote her webinar to my audience. And Basically, like what I did is I showed up to her Zoom and then I just presented and she would kind of like comment here and there, but I pretty much had the floor and then vice versa. She, you know, would show up. She had her signature talk that she's given a million times and then, you know, she um, 
she she delivered it and I was just kind of there to support and do a little bit of moderation but that's about it and it was you know a whole fresh new audience because you know I was just reaching these new people who hadn't heard of me before and what's great about it is that she um she recommended me too so um it it was just people automatically trusted me because they're they've been on her list they have a relationship with her and they're like oh she trusts this person awesome I'm gonna sign up for sure. I love that. And I'm so big on collaborating, especially, I mean, I, I feel like women of color in our space of like digital marketing coaches, content creators, course creators, like all of that. Um, I, I think it's so incredibly important because we have such like similar experiences and, Mm um, yeah, like we just, we, we feel very welcome with our people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and it's so important. I love that. I am going to do that. I'm literally do it. It's so text, simple. <laughs> I'm going to text my people and be like, let's do a webinar swap. Allison yep. told me all about <laughs> it. It's so genius. And it does. I love that it doesn't have to be complicated. Like it could just be super duper. Simple. Yeah. It's not like an affiliate program or anything. You know, it's like sign up for this webinar. Okay, done. Yeah, it's like <laughs> easy it. breezy. Yeah, I one of my goals um next year is to like really grow my email list cuz I, you know, I've done really well in business, but a lot of my business comes from Instagram and mm-hmm. I I need to like I would like to go a little heavier on my email list and grow that because I'm not trying to be on Instagram super hard forever, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm like the opposite of you (laughs) where like when I have a webinar, it comes from Instagram mostly. Um, And when I- Oh, I want to hear your stats then. I would love to like, because I shared mine, I compared them, but you know, I'm I'm big on email. So I wonder how different it would be for someone like you who shows up a little bit more and how the, the stats would be different. That'd be so interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, I would say I I didn't get like much. I wouldn't say I got like, I would say the breakdown was probably like 60, 40, 40% email and 60% mm-hmm. Instagram. Like it wasn't super duper like huge difference, right? Like it wasn't like 10% on email. Um, I still had a lot of people sign up for my email, but it really did come from um, Instagram mostly. But yeah. I'm I'm working to change that because I really believe in email and I believe I just believe it's so powerful. And like I love reading copy from the coaches that I, you know, like that inspire me or my coaches or the folks I'm, you know, just inspired by. So I, I just love and believe in copy and I, I really want to like elevate myself. So that's like one of my goals yes. next year is to grow, grow my love it email list. Okay. I have a question for you about newsletters. So here's Uh the thing. I think for people who are new to copy or new to the building their email list, um, a lot of people like sometimes, at least some of my clients, they will not even, they will go straight to like, I have to do a newsletter format. And I actually did this in the beginning of my journey. I thought, Emails had to look like a newsletter. I And maybe newsletter is just a plain email. I don't know. But like I have a question for you regarding newsletters and copy and like 
emails that come out in a newsletter format where there's like a lot of different um like this sections is this is designs, yes, yes yeah. that's exactly what I'm talking about so like what are your thoughts with copywriting for coaches right verse versus or I shouldn't say co- yeah copywriting emails for coaches but and then and then copywriting in a newsletter is there a difference between newsletter and like a simple email that you send with some value is there a difference for the person receiving it and like what should we think about when we're writing an email like should it be newsletter should it be email what do you, what are your thoughts there Oh, absolutely. I love this question. And right away when you said newsletter, I knew where this was going. So yes, I knew I was like, oh, the newsletter question. So there, it makes a difference for both you, the writer and the recipient of that. So for the recipient, if you think about it from their perspective, a newsletter is very much like announcements. It's like, hey, this is what's happening. Like you think about the newsletter from your yoga studio, like we're doing this workshop here and we have these classes and we have this new instructor and we're going under renovation and all that stuff. And it's like fine, but you know, it's it's just that it's a newsletter. And people don't quite connect with those as much because they're just like, ah, oh, it's just, you know, it's just junk. It's 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 a newsletter. It's just news. Like it's not, it's yeah. nothing really personal. And then for you, the writer, it's a lot of work. Like it's a lot to design. It's a lot to format. And it's, I'm lazy with most things. So if you're telling me to design an email every time I send it, there's just no way I'm going to do it. So that's newsletters. And when we're talking about uh, more of a plain text email, I call them ugly, delicious emails because, <laughs> you know, they're not pretty, but they're still delicious, you know, yes. very much like David Chang's show. So, yeah, ugly, delicious emails are really just simple text emails that feel like a real email. And when what I tell my, my – what I coach my clients on is really just helping them write as though they're writing to – a human on the other end. And when that happens, when they do that, a couple of things happen. First of all, they sound just like them. They sound more natural because they're just having a casual conversation with someone. Second, they connect with that person because they're they're writing to a very specific person and they're focusing on one thing and going really deep on it instead of trying to have five different topics and five different sections and you know, they're all kind of just skimming the surface. And then the third thing is that because of that, because you're connecting with them on a deep level, you're really building that relationship. So when we think about writing emails and email marketing, um, think of it as you're really just uh, building that relationship over and over. So email to me is a lot more intimate. It's more like a private one-on-one dinner. You can't really see who else is there. They don't know how many people are on your email list and they don't know who else is reading it. But with social media, it's a little bit more like a fun party and you can meet other people. You can have different conversations with them. But email is so much more intimate. There's less distractions going on. It's really just you and that person. And because of that, the the power to build those relationships and of course to inspire that action is so much it's and in many ways it's so much greater so when you when you have just a more focused ugly delicious email that's plain text focuses more on like a story or one um one piece of value and then really um is written as though it's a personal email 
that's what people love reading. And that's when they get excited to hear from you. Um, they get excited to see you in their inbox and then they just, you know, can eat up your copy and then eventually take that call to action. Yes. I love this so much because I've, I'm so glad I asked you this question because it kills me when I, I, I honestly don't love newsletters at all. I think they work really well in like for brick and mortars and e-commerce. I think brick and, I mean, I think both, I think even if you send a newsletter, if you're e-commerce or brick and mortar, I think like ugly, delicious emails are, <laughs> are still really, really appropriate. And they're just so compelling. Like you said, it's like a, like a one-on-one -on -one dinner. It's so intimate. It kind of reminds me of like the energy of podcasting and listening to a podcast because it's just like you and them and that's it. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I would a hundred percent second that. And honestly, for my clients, like I never would recommend an a newsletter um, for your for your business, unless I know some of my clients have like communities um, that they're not like specifically the face of, and I I think I might like sprinkle in a newsletter. But to be honest, like I have found over and over again, I remember the first time. I really was sold on email. Like clearly I was sold on email <laughs> right off the bat because I literally bought the course. But I uh, it, it was I think it might have been earlier earlier this year in like January or February I started sending emails regularly and one specific email got me like two clarity calls booked like in yes. within like probably within like five uh, hours of when I sent it. And then I got like even a couple people emailing me from it. And I was like just having a conversation and I was like, whoa, email Magic. works. <laughs> yeah, like email really does work. And ever since then, I just like took my email list so much more seriously. And now I – it's just like, a, you know, it's it, – I, I write emails every week and Yay. I'm constantly using it um, in my marketing strategy. And I want to just go heavy on it. I'm in a mastermind right now where so many of my, I don't know what you call them, colleagues, I guess, in the mastermind, um, they they have huge email lists and they're like barely online. They're barely on social. Yeah. Like, oh, it's not wild. Social media for fun. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm trying to get on that level. Although I love social media and like. It's fun. You know, yeah. it, it is fun. There are some fun components. Um, but email is just so powerful. And I love the fact that the the email list really does like belong to you. Like no one can take it away from you. People can opt right. out if they want. And that part is also comforting because it kind of like leaves the drama out of it a little bit. And it's pretty serious, right? Like there's this meme. Um, I think it's like a Napoleon Dynamite meme. And he's like, she just subscribed to my email list. So things are getting pretty serious between us, you know? And it's like, it's like you're giving your number yes. to someone. And like someone joining your email list is kind of a big deal. <laughs> Anyone could follow you on Instagram for your food stories. I'm talking about myself mostly, but you know, <laughs> when, when they join your email list, it's something more serious. And, um, I had a client recently who, um, who has a pretty big following on Instagram. I think she has like 10,000 followers and, um, she, she was sending out newsletters 
to her people. Uh, she's an artist and she has a Patreon. So when she was launching her Patreon, I helped her with her emails and moved from that newsletter format to the Ugly Delicious format. And sure enough, when she she did that, she saw people signing up for um, her Patreon or signing up as a patron or people would upgrade their tiers like from the base level to the highest level. And she would even get like tons of replies of people saying like, oh my gosh, this was really like, this really spoke to me. You know, you just get these thank you letters from people when you when you really show up authentically in your copy. And that's what we want. Like we want sales and we want people to say like, you know, they would, we want them to feel like you really wrote it just for that person. So just another reason to move from a newsletter format to an ugly, delicious email format. It's just so much more effective. Thank you for sharing that. I think a lot of people needed to hear that. I know I did. And yeah. So tell me a little bit about how, um, I guess this is a good transition because I'm, I'm actually thoroughly very curious how people work with one with you and with copy coaches in general. So like I'm thinking of two different clients of mine. One, um, her business is like moving. Like it's, it's, she's recently started her, well, I should say she's been in business for a while, but she, her sales are starting to be more and more consistent and she isn't the best um, at emails. <laughs> and then I have another client that I'm thinking of who has like a full fledged, like we'll do six figures this year business who yeah. really is sending no emails. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. has like, I think Perfect. she has an email list of like almost a thousand, like literally. Um, <laughs> what is, uh, how, how do people work with copy coaches? Um, what type of resources are out there for businesses? Um, and also of course, like so curious about how you work with people and all of that. So there's a couple of ways you could improve your copy skills which is essentially, you know, working with a coach. So yeah. there, there are, of course, the the courses where you watch some videos and then, you know, you kind of do it off your own. Maybe there's a monthly call, maybe there's not, but the, the, the gist of it is that you're kind of doing it yourself. You could hire a one-on-one -on -one copy coach where they're, you know, sometimes they have a training program. Sometimes it's really just like submit your copy and I'll review it for you. Um, but you know, you're kind of working with them one-on-one -on -one and they're not writing it for you. They're just kind of guiding it for you, guiding you through it. Um, and then there's some group copy programs as well. Um, and those can be, you know, anywhere, anything from, you know, you learn lessons on the spot. There's some, maybe there's copy review, um, you know, whatever that is, it's kind of like, like a hybrid of the, um, the video training and, you know, getting that copy support. So really what a copy coach typically does is they will, they will teach you things and you, you get to write, maybe they'll help you brainstorm, um, what to write. And then also when they're critiquing it, they're really looking for ways to help you improve. Now, there are some copy coaches who, you know, who I've worked with in the past, particularly, and I know it's kind of common where they're just going to like, you know, make edits to your copy and you're not going to learn. They're basically putting their own words to it and they're not really teaching you why. And Got then a lot it. of times they're um, they're really just imposing like what to say rather than, you know, 
asking like, how can we say this so that we, you know, X, Y, Z kind of thing. And then there are some coffee coaches that are actually kind of judgmental, <laughs> you know, or they're like, they don't make you, they don't help you feel good about your copy. They're very much about like, I just want this to work. So like, this is what works. So we're going to do this, whether you like it or not kind of thing. Um, so definitely watch, look out for those ones. Um, I'm, I'm don't think that's too common anymore, but who knows? So just watch out for that. Um, yeah. The way that I like to work with people. So I have a program um, opening up where um, basically it's a three-month program. And what it is, is I'm going to be uh, coaching you not only just on copywriting, and that's going to be a big part of it, but also just building out your, your email conversion system. So common misconception, I believe this myself, so I'm totally guilty of this, is that when you just send out more emails, you're going to make a ton of sales. And that could happen, but you know, you really need like a system around it. It's not just about sending out more or sending out emails every day and like constantly working harder kind of thing. You could really need a system around it. So I help you build out your email conversion system, which is, you know, a system for building out your email list, for uh, connecting with people on your email list, really building that relationship. And then of course the conversion piece, converting them into paying clients. And what I like to do is, um, so every week you're going to have a hot seat. So it's a, it's a group program. You're going to have a hot seat and we'll work through a challenge you're facing. We'll brainstorm something or we'll plan your email strategy for your sales push or sales event. And then you can submit copy as much as you want. Um, and every week I'll give a critique. And what I really make a point of is I like pointing out like, this is really good. Or like, I really love how you said this. Um, so I really like to reinforce the things that you are um, doing really well, rather than just like pointing out the things that need to be changed. Because, you know, it it's it can be really triggering. It's like English class, you know, where you're... Oh, sure. you're Oh, you know, you see all the red marks on your essays, you know, <laughs> so I make sure to do that. And also, um, you know, I, I usually ask before someone submits a copy, like, how are you feeling about it? Because it's really important to me that you feel good about your copy before I look into it, because I want you to feel good about your copy. Um, and then I'll, I'll, you know, make comments of like, oh, how can we smoothly transition into this? Or, you know, how can we make the benefits of this very clear instead of me? Like, um, I might brainstorm, but I'm not going to impose my words onto your copy kind of thing. And that's, that's because like, I, I like this approach because it helps people learn so that they could go off on their own. I don't want them to be I want them to feel good about writing copy and eventually so that they can, you know, do it off, do it on their own without needing my eyes on it. Love that. Allison, thank you so, so much for sharing all of your, probably not all of your knowledge, a lot. <laughs> you got for it all. <laughs> so much of your knowledge. Everybody needs to be following Allison on. Instagram, at least, and and add it to her email list. She has really good, juicy emails. I'm on your email list. I see the emails. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> what an yeah, honor. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm always just looking for ways to, like, learn from people, and I just, like, enjoy um, reading, like, some of your emails when I see them pop up. So, anyways, everyone, go check out Allison on Instagram. Where can people find you and learn about you? 
So I have my Instagram and that's instagram.com slash Alston Carpio and I'll send you the link so we could have it in the show notes. And in my link tree, I have a training. It's called how to make more sales with email with more ease and no sleaze. So um, go ahead and grab that. And it dives deeper into that email conversion system that I was talking about. And you can learn all about that. Um, start as soon as possible. Kat, I love that you're one of your first investments in your business was about building your email list. I love that. <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> I know. I didn't, I didn't know. I don't know. I clearly, I was compelled. I just believe here's the thing. Um, I, when people like I trust, when I have trust in somebody and they tell me you need to like, this is a perfect place to start. I just believe them. Like, I don't find myself gullible. I just be like, yeah, I, I want to do what they're doing. And it worked. Like, I think it worked out kind of. I still want to build out my email list. But what I love is that I had the chance to create a freebie right off the bat. Like, I yes. created a freebie from scratch with, with no real niche or audience. I was just like, here is something I want to give people. Um, <laughs> and it really helped me learn how to, like, market, right? Like, just market something um even yes. if I wasn't selling something so yeah it's never too early or too late to start so um go ahead and grab that training even if you already are building your email list um this is just helpful to even you know do the connection and the conversion piece that I talk about so that is all on my Instagram and I definitely hope to see you there thank you thanks so much for having me Hey Amiga, if you are not on my email list, you are missing out on some juicy content. I share sales and marketing tips every single week. Plus, you're the first to know about new freebies and webinars and all the other things fun happening. To get on the list, sign up for my free training, How to Sell Out for Figure Offers. This training will also shift your mindset around what it really takes to book out your coaching business. So sign up in the show notes or on my website, katdelcarmen.com to be added to the email list. I will see you next time. Mwah.